Again, thank you, our worship team, for leading us in songs of praise this morning. I appreciate those truths in the songs. Uh, as, a, as a church, many of us are, uh, even as we, it's a Father's Day and a day for celebration, a child dedication service this morning. We have many things to rejoice in, but uh, for many of us that have been longtime members of the church, our hearts are a little heavy, of course, with uh, the passing of our brother Dave uh, just this past week and uh, the loss of uh, really one of our shepherds, one of our elders of this church. But uh, in any loss, in any death, uh, it seems that whenever we come to the Lord and gather together as a people, the truths and the songs that we sing, uh, we sing about the gospel, we sing about our salvation in Christ, they, they, are, they ring so much more true. They powerfully speak to us. They, they minister to us in our, in our pains and our sorrows, knowing that our brother Dave is in not just a better place, but he's in the best place of all right now. He's with our Lord in heaven. And so that's where we find our comfort. We mourn as those who do not have hope. As those who don't have hope, we have hope. Our hope's in Christ. And so we rejoice in that. But I, at the same time, I know that it's a little bit um, bittersweet on this day as we come to the Lord. Um, uh, for those, I, just, I know we didn't get in our bulletins, but I, I know some of you would want to know that uh, Dave's memorial service, our brother Dave's memorial service, will be this Saturday at 3 o'clock at Evergreen Mortuary, uh, just down the street here on Gary uh, Boulevard, 4545 Gary. So for those of you who will, can attend and would like to attend, please note that. If you have your Bibles, as we continue to come to the Lord and worship Him, we ask you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. This morning's message I chose because it's Father's Day. It's also our child dedication day. And I thought this was a very appropriate message. It's a little bit shorter message than normal because of our child dedication. But I just felt it was such an appropriate message for us to hear today. I want to welcome again all our guests and visitors here that are here with us today because of our child dedication. But we also just welcome you from wherever you've come, uh, from nearby, all across, the, around the world. We're glad that you can come and be joining us, us this morning as we worship Christ. Uh, what a joy to have all of you with us. We look to the word this morning and hear what God has to say to us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. The Apostle Paul writes here for us in these words to his young Tim- to his son in the Lord, Timothy, in this, what is known as Paul's final letter. It's a letter written from prison, written as from a dying man to his beloved son. So we read these words. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can draw near to you Father, we thank you for the promises that you have given us in your word. We thank you for its truths that you've recorded down for us to hear. Lord, these are not just words in a book. They are words of life to us. They are words of hope for us. They are words that our faith trusts in, clings to this day, this morning particularly. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful, that even as you allow it to be spoken this morning, we know that you will cause it to go forth 
and accomplish in each of our lives exactly that which you intended to do. For your word does not return void. Your word is powerful. Your word is living and active. And Lord, we come now hearing your word, looking to hear from you this morning. May your spirit take your word and speak to each one of us, cause us to hear your words for what it is, the word of God. That we would not hear and do nothing with it. That we would hear and live by it. That we would be, our lives would be changed by it, transformed by it. Because it is you who speak to us. Father, this we pray for the, your glory. The magnification of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. In light of Father's Day and our child dedication service that, that will take place at the end of our service today, I wanted for us to take a look at a passage that would encourage all of us as disciples. And the word disciples, as you many of you know, is a word that means a learner, a student. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are, at the very core, we're learners. We learn something. We're students of someone. And that is, we are students of Jesus Christ. But we're also disciple makers. We also, as disciples, as learners of Jesus Christ, we help others to learn about Jesus Christ as well. And so this passage, I believe, has spoken from one of a teacher to a disciple to his son, Timothy, is an encouragement for us this morning. Because one of the concerns that parents often have, and many of our parents are here to dedicate their children, and many of you parents that have, that have already raised up your children, one of your, the big concerns of life is to make sure that our children receive a, a good education. Is that not correct? We make sure that we get them into the right preschool, right? We want them to get a good head start. And nowadays, it seems like it's important to get them into the good pre-preschool and the pre-pre-preschool, right? Seems like it. Um, in fact, you got to sign them up right when they're born. Uh, seems like it. But that kind of pattern goes on because we want to make sure we want to make sure that our kids get into or go to attend a good elementary school and then a, a good middle school and then a good high school. Our hopes, of course, are that they would do well and that they would then enter into a good college uh, where they'll graduate and, and uh, with a good degree and then we, with that good degree acquire gainful employment and progress along in life. All parents desire this, something like this for their children. And it reflects for us a general truism, you might say, of parents for their children is that we believe that our child's education is critical for them to be successful in life. Don't get me wrong, an education is very important to be successful in life. We don't certainly don't want our children to be unemployed and living at home at 40 or 50 for the rest of their lives. We want them to move on, to progress. We want them to have a life, to be able to provide, to learn to work hard, to learn to be able to raise up a family. And while we are correct in understanding that one's education is critical for success in life, we tend to be mistaken on what defines a successful life. And consequently, we tend to be mistaken on the type of education that one really needs. See, success 
ultimately, true success, ultimate success, is defined by God. God is our creator. He made us. He has the right to define what is successful and what is not. And in God's eyes, success in life is defined by and is dependent upon knowing Jesus Christ. Real gain in life. Real treasure that does not perish. Real glory that does not fade are the things that are found in Christ and no other. And we, we want so much for our children. But the one who gains the whole world, possesses all sorts of earthly treasures, receives even the greatest of glories on earth, but does not have Christ, Jesus says, in the end, loses everything, including his soul. That is not success. That is a failure to the highest degree. It is a foolishness that ought to be avoided. So if we desire, if you desire, real lasting success for yourself or for your children, then an education in Christ is what we need. The best education among all the educations that, are, that we can receive in this world, the very best, the highest education, the, the education that we should all seek is an education in Christ Jesus himself. Our passage today, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 15, describes for us this education. It's an education that leads to lasting success. It's an education that allow, it encourages us to continue the experience in this life, but more, more importantly, it's success that leads into the next life that lasts. In the context of 2 Timothy, Paul is writing here his final letter. I find it so appropriate for us to look at this morning because it's a letter from a dying man to his beloved son in the Lord. It's a letter that encourages him. And you can just imagine if you receive encouragement letters or words from a dying man or someone who recently has passed away, those words ring more true. This whole week I've been thinking about some of the things that Dave has spoken to me throughout the time that I've known him. And those words are weighing upon my heart even more profoundly now than ever in my life. But Paul's words to Timothy would be very similar. Paul's in prison. He's likely to be, about to be, ex, to be, to be executed in the, in the persecution uh, that was led by Nero. And so he writes to Timothy and he urges him to remain faithful to his calling. This book reminds us, he warns Timothy that there will be difficult times to come to be a disciple of Christ. It's not going to be easy. There will be false teachers. There will be people who want to live for themselves. They won't want to follow Christ. There are going to be people who will oppose you. You will persecute you for your faith, young Timothy. But Paul urges Timothy to not forsake his education in Christ. To remember and abide in the things that he has learned throughout his life. And as we look at our text this morning then, as an outline, we're going to see four key factors toward the best education in Christ that leads us to lasting success. But there are four factors that lead, that should characterize the best education that we can have in Christ. Let's take a look at the these four then for us this morning. May they be an encouragement to us who are learners as well as who are teachers of Christ. Number one, 
The best education in Christ is one that imparts knowledge that moves from the head to the heart. As we see in verse 14. We read in verse 14, Paul writes, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. In contrast to the false teachers that Paul was just describing in verse 13, those false teachers who were, be, who were deceiving people and be, being deceived themselves, Timothy is urged to continue in the truth. He's told to abide in the truth, remain in the truth, continue in this truth. Don't forsake this truth that you've learned. Many are forsaking it. Many are falling away. But you, Timothy, remain in it. The truth that Paul tells Tim, the, or the fact that Paul tells Timothy this, or has to tell Timothy this, indicates something that you and I already understand, even in our life, especially if you've been a Christian for any number of years, or would have, Timothy would have understand as well. That sometimes, and that among professing Christians, some do not abide in the truth. That some fall away. Especially those of us that have been Christians for any number of years. We've gone to church with different Christians who have professed faith in Christ at one time, but for some reason or other, they fell away. They did not continue in the faith. They, for whatever reason, stopped believing in Christ. And perhaps for many of us who are Christian parents, there is no greater pain for us than to see our child grow up in the church, profess faith in Christ, participate and serve in the life of the church, and then in adulthood, turn away from the very things that they had learned and once professed. They turn away from faith in Christ. In the third letter of John, verse 4, the apostle John there writes, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. That's true not only for spiritual parents, but I think it's true for earthly parents. We ask ourselves, why do some people fall away? Why do some people turn away from the truth? Sometimes it's sin. They know that God's, what God has to say about holiness and following Christ. And, and we don't, and because we love our sin so much, we don't, we turn away from Christ. Sometimes it's a trial. Something that unexpected. We misunderstood that because we have Christ, we think that all should just go perfectly well in our life. But then a trial comes that just shocks us to the core. And we think that maybe God has let us down. Other times it simply comes down to doubt. Doubt. That goes unchecked. Doubt that is never, doubt that is not, that does not search the scriptures for the truth. And eventually that doubt festers. And it, because one is, was never genuinely convinced of the truth of their faith, enough doubt or a professor or a book or a movie or another circumstance happens and that doubt just kind of tips them over the edge and they say, well, I just doubt it. I'm agnostic now. I don't know. In all these cases, the problem is that the knowledge that they possess has only been a head knowledge, if you will, and never a heart knowledge. It never moved from an intellectual faith to a trusting faith, a faith that's built based upon convictions, heartfelt, internal belief and trust in the truths of the scriptures. The Apostle Paul says, continue in the things you have learned and Become convinced of. That's the latter phrase that we really focus on. That we need to be convinced of these truths, not just learn them for ourselves. Don't we don't come and just do this as a mental exercise and then just walk away and not have it affect our lives. William Hendrickson in his commentary writes this that learning 
that is of the spiritual truths is of Christ is not enough. What has been learned must be applied to the heart by the Holy Spirit. So that one who becomes convinced. So that one also becomes convinced with a conviction that transforms life. See, when we're convicted of the truth, it changes us. It can't help but change. Conviction of truth changes our lives. It makes us different. It affects how we live. You know, the apostles, early apostles, not only learned the truth, but they were convicted of its truthfulness. They were so convicted of its truth that they were consequently willing to lay their life down for the truth of Christ. As you learn the truths of the Christian faith, don't settle for head knowledge. Pursue a heart knowledge. Let it become the conviction. Let the Spirit take and convict us that the Word of God would change our lives. It would affect how we live. And we would be more than just hearers, but we would be doers as well of the Word. Does the Word, does the truth affect how you live? Because truth that you are convinced of is a truth that will change how you live. As we pursue an education in Christ, let's make sure we do, that it's more than just head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge as well. It's something that we come convinced of. But secondly, it's another factor that as we pursue this best education in Christ is that we must depend upon teachers with a genuine faith, as we see in the latter of verse 14. The latter of verse 14, we read, knowing from whom you have learned them. The rest of verse 14, as well as to verse 13, give Timothy two motivations for continuing in the truth. Why he ought to continue in this truth that he has learned. And the, this is the first. That Timothy is reminded to continue in the truth because of the teachers whom he had learned it from. That the teachers and the life that they lived actually are as a motive, is a motivation for Timothy to continue in this truth. In fact, the word here, the, pro, the pronoun whom, knowing from whom you have learned them, is a plural in the Greek. It indicates that Timothy's teachers are multiple. He's learning not just from one, but he learned it from multiple people. Of the multiple people they learned it from, the most prominent was Paul, the apostle who wrote this letter. In 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul wrote there, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Paul, as the apostle, when he came into Lystra, found young Timothy, and he took him along on the missions, on the missionary journey with him, and taught young Timothy all about Christ, and all that he knew of Christ. But in, as we go back to 1 verse 12, in the verse, in the preceding verse to verse 13, Paul describes his willingness to suffer for his faith. He wrote there, for this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. See, Paul didn't just teach Timothy about faith in Christ. Paul also lived faith in Christ. See, a faith that is true is a faith that one is willing to suffer for, as the Apostle Paul did. He was willing to die for his faith, suffer for his faith, to be persecuted for his faith. In fact, when, it, we, when scholars talk about the histor- historicity of the death and resurrection of Christ, when you ever think about, did Jesus really die? And did he really Jesus raise from the dead? Two of the most kind of powerful evidence for the historicity of that are the transformation of the apostles, the, the 12, the 11 particularly, and also 
the transformation of Saul the persecutor into Paul the persecuted. They are historical testimony, witness to the reality of the resurrection, the, the reality of the death and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. For, for Paul went from being willing to kill for the faith to being willing to die for the faith. And we understand that no one dies for something that they know is a lie. People only die for something that they know and are convinced of is the truth. Paul's faith is a powerful testimony to Timothy and to us of the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul was willing to die. And what he taught Timothy was not just something by his word, but it was by his deeds as well, by his life. But Timothy had other teachers. Timothy, young Timothy, had other teachers as well, his grandmother and mother. Second Timothy 1.5, we read, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. Although Timothy had a Greek father, according to Acts 16.1, his faith, his sincere faith, was owed to his mother and his grandmother, his Jewish mother and grandmother. He not only learned from them, but he observed their faith as well. And that's why Paul says the sincere faith that Timothy had, that they had, was now in Timothy as well. And we know that God can use anyone to teach. Sometimes we learn from, you can go turn on the television, sometimes you see one of those false gospel, false preachers on the, on the television. And they can say, you know, they, they preach a false prosperity gospel, but you know, sometimes it's 15% of poison and the, you know, 75, 85% truth and, oh, 75, and I'll say 10%, who knows. But just that little truth, even from a false teacher can be edifying because it's, it's something from the Bible. They could be encouragement to us. Now, God can use anyone. That's true. Even unbelievers to teach us. But the most effective teachers of Christ are those who live what they teach. Correct? They're those who don't just speak the truth, but those who are examples to us of the truth. They show us how to live. They show us Christ. And this is where I think of our elder Dave. Our elder Dave, who faithfully taught us to live and to understand the word of God these many years. Week in, week out, he taught us the scriptures in our adult Sunday school class. And I think if you've, if you've ever been in a Sunday school class, any of his Sunday school class, uh, you know you're gonna, you, you know you're gonna be blessed because, especially when he starts that, you know, drawing that line across the board. You know, he, you know, and it's, it's always a timeline, some kind of historical timeline. Because Dave, one of Dave's, was, one of Dave's strengths is in his teaching was his ability to connect the Old Testament and the New. Um, he would always show how they together point to Christ. But I've seen Dave's, and not only have we learned from Dave, but I've seen Dave's faith in action. I've seen his faith in Christ made manifest not only in his work and the decisions that he made about his work. I've seen it in his decisions that he's made with regards to his own family. I've seen it in the decisions that he would make or the words that he would speak along with us 
of the rest of the elders in this church in our leadership of this church. We're thankful for Dave's faith that not only did he teach it to us, but he lived Christ to us. We give thanks to God how an atheist from Cal who was saved on, through a, the ministry of a campus gospel preacher ended up walking through this door, uh, doors of a, a fundamental church, fundamentalist church, growing here and in his knowledge of Christ and then that, and then eventually becoming one of our shepherds and, and in my book, in my, in my thoughts are really our, our resident theologian of our church. And we give thanks to God. But may the remembrance of Dave's genuine faith in Christ be a, a constant reminder to us of the genuineness, of the trustworthiness, of the very truths that he taught us. That we would not reject them as soon as some other guy with some other letters behind his name says, no, it's not true. Because we know Dave. We know his, who he was, his faithfulness and teaching. And we know the life that he lived. And just as for young Timothy... Paul, the life of Paul, the life of his mother and grandmother was a profound encouragement for him to continue to abide in the truth. So those who taught us, we remember that when we have teachers with genuine faith in Christ, it is a powerful testimony to us. Thirdly, the best education in Christ involves the early and involves early and lifelong learning. You know, we talk about uh, when we talk about school, we want to get our children a head start, right? Those first five are so important in teaching our kids about how to, the things that they need to know for the rest of their lives. It's not, it's quite similar even in the Christian life. Verse 15, Paul writes, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Here is Timothy's second motivation for continuing in our faith and the truth that he has learned. Timothy has in fact learned these truths from his childhood. His mother Eunice taught him, taught him the scriptures from his earliest of age. In fact, this word for childhood is kind of a neat word. It's not, it's a word that actually means an infant, that he was taught from when he was a little baby from childhood. It's even used in, in some contexts, some scripture contexts to refer to an unborn child in one's womb. In fact, it's kind of neat is that uh, there's recent research, and this is kind of just additional fun facts. There's additional research, uh, kind of recent research, last, I think, five years or so, that babies actually begin to absorb language while in the womb. They're the mother's language. They hear their mom's, you know, their mother's voice. And they are starting to learn already, especially from the, those last 10 weeks of pregnancy. And so that's why nowadays, from expecting moms, are, they're kind of told, oh, talk to your children, speak to your children, because it supposedly helps them to develop and learn language. It's just really neat, kind of just an interesting fact. But what we gather from this is that there is really a profound impact that mothers, and yes, fathers too, mothers are the earliest, there's a profound impact that parents can have on their children. All parents have a profound impact on their children from the earliest stages of life. How much more when those parents are, teach, are teaching their children the truths of the Lord, right? When they teach them about Christ, that is the profound impact they can have. Uh, the, the sacred writings that in verse 15 here is, appears only here in the New Testament. And it's a reference to the scriptures. In those days, they only had Timothy's childhood. They only had the Old Testament scriptures. And this was a phrase used by even Josephus to refer, a Jewish historian, to refer to the Old Testament scriptures. But the teachings of Christ are not just 
in the Old Testament, but they're also in the New Testament. In verse 16 later, Paul's going to use the word all scripture. Even by that, by this time of Second Timothy, there have been several of the New Testament writings and gospels as well as letters that had already been written. All scriptures point are, are something that we can learn from, from our earliest childhood. Not only did Timothy then learn the sacred writings from when he was a child, but he learned it particularly from his childhood. The implication is that he continued to learn even to his present day. That Timothy didn't stop learning. That's very important. You know, we don't, we shouldn't stop learning about Christ once we become a Christian. You become a Christian, oh, I'm going to stop. I, I know everything I need. I believed in Jesus Christ. I repented for my sin. I, I know I have eternal life. I'm, I'm good. I can just kind of go live my life and I don't need to learn anything else about Christ. And that's not what the Christian life is about. We are called to be learners, disciples, students of Christ. We're to keep learning and we're to teach others also. Parents have a, such a vital role in helping their children to learn for lifelong. They're the only teachers that are with you for 18 plus years of your life. You know, you, you know your kindergarten teacher doesn't teach you, well, unless you're homeschooled, okay. But generally, your kindergarten teacher is not teaching you in college. But parents, parents alone, are there with you, teaching you from the moment you're born to the moment you leave the house, really. They're there for us, teaching. And so mothers and fathers have such a profound impact. And they have the responsibility, as according from the scriptures, to bring up their children in the way of the Lord. They're not responsible to teach you physics, so they could probably, some of them do. They're not there to teach you math, though they probably do. They don't teach you how to look both ways across the street, though they do. They don't teach you how to eat and feed and go do all sorts of things, but they do. But the most important things that parents are to teach us is the way of the Lord, the discipline of the, of the Lord, the knowledge and the, of fall, the instructions in the Lord. Parents are the primary instructors through whom God teaches his people. It's not me. It's not the pastor that just comes up here and speaks once a week. It shouldn't, it's not our Sunday school teachers nor our fellowship group t- counselors. It's not our Christian school teachers, but it's Christian parents. Christian parents, by God's design, are the primary teachers of Christ. And there are so many things to learn from our parents. And we got, we, today is Father's Day, so we especially give thanks to our dads for all the things that they have taught us. They've taught us so much. And we, we should be thankful. But most important of all, the grace, the most precious thing that a, a Christian parent, a father particularly can teach us is the truth of scriptures. There is no replacement for early and lifelong learning of God's truths from one's parents. It sets a foundation for coming to know Christ. It sets a foundation for growing in Christ. It's like if you were fed junk food for 18 years of life and then you became, started eating healthy, those 18 years will have an effect upon your life. In the same way, when you're fed truths of Christ from your childhood, yes, you're not a believer yet, not until later. Maybe you don't come believe until you're 25, in fact. But those truths have a sanctifying effect upon you. They're probably a head knowledge that eventually becomes a heart knowledge. Let's always be learning and teaching Christ as students or as parents. Our fourth, our, our fourth 
uh, and final factor toward the best education in Christ consists of the core course of study. And, oh, that should be a number four there. In verse, last half, verse 14, 15, we read this. The sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul ends with a description of the power of the sacred writings in which we are reminded of what is at the core of one's study in Scripture. And we learn here these five think core things about Scripture. And there are so many things we can learn from Scripture. And there are scholars out there that study the Scriptures. They study the Bible, but they study it for everything except the core course, the core curriculum of, of Scriptures. They study everything else. They study how the Bible is an ancient document. So we look to it for history. We look at it from a historical standpoint. Look at it from an archaeological standpoint. There are people who study it from a, a textual manuscript standpoint. They look at it how, well, this is a very ancient document. It's like the Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey. Oh, it's very fascinating. Let's look at the manuscripts. People study it from a literature standpoint. Look at the beautiful poetry the, of, of the Psalms and, and the other poetical books. Some people look at it from just a, a, just a wisdom standpoint, a philosophy standpoint. It's, oh, it's, it's full of good, wise sayings, just guidance for how we live our lives. And these are all legitimate ways to look at the scriptures. We can learn these things from scriptures, but they are not the core of what scriptures teach, are they? Paul here gives us the core course of study when we come to the sacred writings, when we come to scriptures, that when we go to scriptures, this is what we are to look for. First of all, we learn that the sacred writings possess power, that it is a dynamic word. This book is not just like some other ancient book that we read that kind of inspires us. It is actually has power to change us. It's God's power. We're not... We are studying the words of Almighty God and His words, as we know, according to Isaiah 55, 11, go forth and don't return void. God has a way. When He speaks, it affects lives. It changes lives. Next, Secondly, sacred writings have the power to give you wisdom. In fact, literally it says, it makes you wise. Psalm 19, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Scripture has this power to turn simpletons into wise men and women. A fool that once only lived for his life becomes a wise person who lives for eternal life to come. Thirdly, sacred writings give wisdom that lead to salvation. That all this, this power to change us, this power that gives us wisdom is a wisdom that leads us to salvation. The central message of the scriptures is really, we could define it as the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. What is that good news? That all of us are sinners. Though all of us deserve, deserve eternal death, a separation from God under the wrath of God. We deserve a judgment because of our sins, because we do not follow him. We do not obey him. But the good news is that God makes a way for us to be delivered from our judgment that is coming. God makes a way, and he sent us his son, Jesus Christ. And God's son came and died on the cross for our sins. We call it the substitutionary atonement. He died in our place. He died for our sins so that whoever believes in him, puts their trust in him, will not perish but have eternal life. This is the good news. This is what the whole Bible points to. It's the message, the core message of the Bible. It's the salvation that is provided by God through Jesus Christ for all mankind, for us. This is the central message. Fourthly, sacred writings, and we see this developed because the sea teaches of salvation that is through faith. That there is a response that is required. 
of this news of salvation that is provided for us in Christ. And the scriptures teach us from beginning to end that no amount of works can lead to our salvation. It is only through faith, through trust in Jesus Christ. It's through turning from sin and turning to faith in Jesus Christ alone for our forgiveness. The Bible doesn't tell us to earn our way through doing good deeds, through the practice of the Christian disciplines, to go become a monk or, you know, a priest or or, or go become a nun. It doesn't tell us to do these kinds of things, but it tells us to believe and trust in Christ. Lastly, the sacred writings teach us about faith in Jesus Christ. Another way that we could say the scriptures really is it points to one person. The scriptures point to us, point us to Jesus Christ. That our faith alone is in Christ alone for our salvation. And our, our faith in him is not just something that we made a decision at at one point in our life, but it's a faith that is, that is ours throughout life. That throughout life we're continually trusting, continually believing in Christ. Because in life, there are always circumstances and events that shock us, that take us by surprise. Not only in our world at large, as we read about, as you've all heard about the murder in the church in Charleston, but even in our own personal lives, in the life of this church, the loss of our brother Dave. And what we learn in these times is not to despair, but we learn to trust again in Christ, to find he is our only hope in times when we don't understand why. But we understand who is in control. And it is Christ. And it's he who is our hope at this time. It's he who we learn to trust in. And that's what the sacred writings point us to. To make sure that we continually have a trust that is in Christ. That's our core course. When we study the scriptures, let's make sure we don't... We can study for all sorts of things. But let's not make, make sure that we do not miss Jesus Christ and who he is. This is what we must learn. This is the book where we find power, wisdom, salvation, faith... That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. No other subject is as important for our lasting success than the one we find in scriptures. So as we conclude, just two quick applications. First of all, for all of us, let's never stop learning about Christ. And secondly, an application for us as parents, particularly those of us you who are parents, if you, it's understandable and it's good that you want the very best for your children. That's love. Love is seeking the good of those, your commitment to seek the good of those who are, who, are, who are yours. But the very best for your children, if you want the very best for your children, then according to the scriptures here, the very best thing for them is that they would know Jesus Christ. That they would know Christ as their Savior and Lord. So as parents, let's make a commitment to teach them Christ from the scriptures. But let's go beyond just teaching them Christ from the scriptures. Let's show them Christ from our lives so that our children can get the best education in Christ. So they will experience the lasting success that's not just life abundant in this world, in this life, but a a success that when you graduate to heaven, you'll be received and welcomed by God the Father. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And we thank you for the truths here. We pray that we would be men and women who never stop learning. We'll be faithful to abide in the things that we have learned. 
remembering who we learned it from, from the many godly men and women who taught us your scriptures. We're remembering, too, that these scriptures we learned from childhood, and that these are scriptures that we continue to, that we would continue to hold on to, to pursue and understand so that we might keep learning about Christ so that our faith in Christ might continue to be, continually be built up. And then not only for ourselves that we would have no Christ and have no eternal life, but then we can teach it to others. Especially when we think of our parents, the fathers this day, that our fathers can be faithful in teaching it to their children so that children can experience all the blessings that are in Christ and find lasting success. Lord, we pray... We praise you and thank you for this time in your word. We ask that you would cause us cause it to go forth and accomplish exactly what you wish in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this moment